We'll just start with something fun, all right? One little boy came home from church on a Sunday and he announced to his parents, he said, I want to become a minister when I grow up. They were really curious what brought him to this decision. And so they asked him, he said, what what made you decide that? He said, well, you know, if I have to go to church on Sunday anyway, it just seems like it would be a lot more fun to be the one up there yelling at everybody than the one getting yelled at. So... And uh, sometimes I get loud. I hope it's not like I'm yelling at you, but um, I'm just kind of passionate about what I preach, so y'all just bear with me sometimes, all right? But tonight we're going to begin our series on parenting, and I hope that there's lots of parents here, but I also hope that there are future parents here, and I hope there are grandparents here, and I hope there are even people that you, you're never going to parent and you don't want to. I hope you're here too, because I want to tell you that in this crazy world we live in, people need to know what the Bible says about parenting and how that's supposed to look in, in our lives today. So I'm glad you're here. Amen. During this series... Those of you that are parents, I just want to say I'm one of you. Mine are grown now, but I've been where you are. And I want you to know that in no way do I think that I am some kind of an authority on the subject. By the grace of God, Carmen and I have raised two children to serve the Lord with a whole heart. But I'll tell you that I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, In my opinion, it's amazing grace that uh, they didn't turn out any weirder than they are. Um, just, you know, when Jonathan was a baby, one of his first words was, was repent. I mean, you know, if you got to be a dad, you might as well have fun with it. Right. But, you know, I taught him as a little kid when he was two years old, he was, he would point his finger at people and say, repent. I mean, he would say it real serious, you know, but I think he liked the reaction he got from people. So, you know, it's amazing. I'm just telling you, you've done some things that were wrong or goofy or whatever. God is more than enough. He can still cause things to turn out right. Amen. But what I want to share with you in this series are some biblical principles and wisdom that will help you along the way. Every Christian parent wants their child to be blessed and to live in all that God has for them. And we're just going to begin with these verses from Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4. I just want to kind of lay this as a foundation here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord." Every sincere believer wants their child to grow up and serve the Lord. We want our children to have a blessed life. We want things to go well for them, right? I mean, we want them to grow up and, you know, for them to just have the blessing of God on their life and for it to be good. And we, 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 don't, want, we don't want them to, you know, go through hard times and have heartache in their life. We, we want things to go well for them. So... Here's what the Bible says. we got to bring them up in the training and the admonition that's teaching of the Lord. The training. 
I want you to remember that. There's a lot of training that goes into raising children. It is one of the greatest challenges of life. Sometimes it just seems overwhelming, even impossible. I'm glad with God all things are possible. Amen. Amen. Somewhere around two years of age, kids figure out that they have their own free will. And from that point on, we know that eventually they're going to make their own decisions and they're going to live with the consequences for good or bad of those decisions. And so we got to train them to make right choices. Now, those of us that have adult children, sometimes we look back and we have a lot of those would have, should haves, and could haves, you know, some regrets or at least some doubts about should we have done things differently? Did I handle that right? And sometimes just flat out we know I, sh- I shouldn't have done it that way, should have done it different. I think every parent that has adult children knows what I'm talking about. And sometimes, you know, you can just kind of feel uh, helpless when you have adult children because you know when when they're young when they're little and and even when they're teenagers you have some measure of control you know how's that old thing go Uh, I brought you into this world and I can take you out I don't really think that's right but I'm just I'm just saying you feel like you have some measure of control but once your kids are grown you know what you're left to well the most important thing But only that, you can pray for them. And that's powerful. But I just want you to know, those of you that have adult children, if you made some mistakes, if you have some regrets, you need to remember this, that our God is gracious and compassionate and merciful, and he is bigger than your mistakes. I mean, we figured that out when we got saved, right? And you just need to know that, that yes, you might have made some mistakes, I sure did, But God is bigger than that. And so, you know what? Don't ever discount the power of prayer. Whether you're praying for a toddler or you're praying for an adult child, God can still do it. James Dobson said that child rearing is like baking a cake. You don't realize you have a disaster until it's too late. (laughs) But, you know, the key to baking a cake is you follow the instructions And so it is with raising children. If we just follow the instructions of the word of God, I'll tell you, it'll turn out good. Nobody has all the answers. And, you know, we talk about biblical principles and wisdom, and I hope that you are challenged to grow and to change and be the best parent that you can be. But I don't want anybody to get under some load of guilt or condemnation about past mistakes or weaknesses. See, a lot of times Satan uses guilt and condemnation to undermine your confidence. And we're not talking about self-confidence, but you need to have confidence in the Lord that when you do what his word says, that it works. See, in this crazy world we live in right now, no matter how you parent, somebody's going to think you're doing it wrong, right? I mean, there's a thousand different voices out there about how you're supposed to do this, how you're supposed to raise children. And it can create this doubt, this 
confusion for us sometimes because there's always somebody looking over your shoulder and sometimes they'll even tell you you're doing it wrong. Anybody know what I'm talking about? In fact, I don't know how it works for you, but one of the ones that did that, that, did that with me was my own parents. They told me I was repressing their little personalities. I said, yeah, I'm going to repress them some more. Have you, have you met my kids? Repressed personality, whatever. But I'm just telling you, you get all these voices that people criticize and people say this. How, here's how you can have confidence. You do what the scripture says. When you do what the scripture says, here's what you know. You know you're doing it right. If you're listening to this voice and that voice with this book and this magazine and this person, you're always going to have confusion. But when you go to the scripture and you stick with the scripture, then you can have confidence about how you're raising your children. So I want to remind you of this great truth from Scripture, Proverbs 22 and 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is both a command and a promise. And now, I know that there are some people who will say, well, that's not really a promise, it's just a general principle. And that's because they, they don't want to stand in faith and believe. And so it's easier to just say, well, it's not a promise, they are also the same people that say that, well, God might heal you and he might not. You just kind of throw up a prayer and hope for the best. That's not faith. And we have to take the word of God and stand on the promises and believe what it says, no matter what the world around us says about it. And I know, listen, I know that you can do everything right, and yet sometimes a child goes the wrong way. Listen, you can do everything right health-wise, and sometimes you still get sick. That's when you stand on the promise of the Word of God. And when your child is going the wrong way, that's when you stand on that promise, and you say you train him up in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. If they, listen, it looks like they departed, you say, well, they're coming back. That's the time to stand in faith and believe God. But this, this great command, train up a child in the way he should go, also has a great promise. Now, some of the looser paraphrases implied, and I've heard preachers preaching this garbage, that it's talking about helping your child discover their gift. If they're supposed to be a burger flipper or a doctor, and you know, that's what you're... Baloney! This is about the same thing that Ephesians 6, 4 was talking about, training up a child in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It's talking about the same thing here. You're training up a child to serve the Lord and to know the Lord. It's not about, it's not about finding their, you know, they got to find themselves and you're helping them find themselves. What a bunch of baloney. See, we just got to stick with the word. I encourage you, paraphrases are okay, but you need to remember that paraphrases are somebody's interpretation of the Bible, and that's a good instance of where they really get away from the truth of Scripture. But we're going to look tonight at Noah as an example of parenting done right. Hebrews eleven seven says, "...by faith Noah divinely warned of things not seen." moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. 
Now, Noah wasn't perfect, but he wasn't some lunatic like that movie depicted him, you know. He wasn't perfect, and guess what? Neither were his kids. Wow. That's why it's an example that we can relate to. No, he wasn't perfect. His kids weren't perfect. But he got his household saved when all of the rest of mankind was lost. I mean, think about this. God looked at man and saw that his heart was continually on evil. And he decided, it so grieved him that he decided to destroy mankind. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We like to think, oh, you know, it's so hard to be a parent in this crooked and perverse generation that we live in. I want to tell you, it was nothing, it's nothing like what that was. And yet, Noah saved his whole family because of his faith and his obedience. His whole family was saved. So, listen. Parenting done right, you got to do it by faith. A lot of people have the attitude that you just hope for the best. And by hope, they don't really mean biblical hope, they mean wish. You you know, you just wish for the best. But that's not faith. No, we want to be believing. It's Hebrews eleven seven again. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. He believed in something he couldn't see. And we need to believe even when we don't see it. What we read, Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Listen, you believe even when you don't see it. We sang something like that in a song tonight, didn't we? He's working even when we don't see it. He's working. And you need to know this, that as a parent, there's going to be times when there are storms and there's there's struggle and trouble. And that's the time that you have to stand in faith and believe. And you know what? When you really believe, you can have a strong confidence that God is going to help you. You know, When you really have faith, it means that you're going to obey and do what he says because you believe. When you really have faith, it means you've connected to a power much greater than yourself. Right? I mean, when you believe, you're you're trusting God. Your faith is in God. It's not in yourself. You've connected to a power much greater than yourself. Because, listen, we're not doing this on our own. Oh, no, no. You don't want to do this on your own. No, you want God's help. You want to work together in this thing with the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 3, 9, the scripture says, for we are God's fellow workers. Now, it's talking about the work of the ministry, but I got to tell you, there is no more important work than training up your children. And you don't need to ever do this alone. No, you want to do this with God. You want to partner with God. You need his help. And listen, to every single parent, you're you're doing this alone in the sense that you're a single parent, but you're not really alone. 
You have a heavenly father who will partner with you to raise your children so that they will not be lacking in any way. Our God is big enough to do that. You might feel like you're not enough sometimes, but he's more than enough. And you see, we all need to understand that, that we're, faith means that we're working together with the Lord. We're believing God to do the part we can't do. Now, it's real important we understand this, that there are things that we're supposed to do, and God will not do your part. He will not do the part that you can do. But when we work together with the Lord... He always takes care of the part we can't do. How wonderful it is to know the Lord. And as you're you're raising your children, to know that you can count on God to do the part, to do the things that you can't do. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. So how do you use your faith and do this together with the Lord? You pray. You pray for wisdom. James 1.5 promises as if we pray that God will give us wisdom. And every parent, there's so many things in life, choices and decisions that have to be made on a daily basis. You need wisdom from God. And so if you're really partnering with the Lord, you're really believing God, then you pray and you ask God for wisdom. You pray for strength. And sometimes you just pray for a miracle. That's faith. It's trusting God. When you've done everything right and even when you've messed up, you pray and you trust and believe God. He is merciful and gracious. Next, Noah had his priorities right. He knew what was important. He got his family ready. Isn't it amazing that this guy, he got his family. There were eight all together. They were the ones that that made it on the boat and nobody else. You see, with all of the influence of that godless generation, he made sure that his eight were on that boat and that they were ready. But here's the thing. We have to truly put the Lord first. We have to have our priorities right. The Lord has to be first in our children's lives. And how does that happen? Because he's first in your life. You know, Most of what a child learns in the first few years of life, they learn by watching and listening to others. It's how they learn to talk. It's how they learn to walk. It's how they learn to sing. They're watching and listening. But did you know that even when we get older, the best way to learn is from an example? And every parent, you need to be the primary example to your kid of what it means to serve the Lord. I know that I'm putting a load on some of you right now because uh, there's no way you can really do this right and be a backslidden or lukewarm Christian. There's no way you can parent your child the way the Scripture would teach you to unless you're serious about it. And I mean serious about the Lord. To save his family, Noah had to obey God. So do we. Can't do it our way. We can't do it the world's way. We've got to do it God's way. We need to show our children that the Lord is the most important thing in our life. How do you do that? You go to church. You pray. You read your Bible. 
You get involved in the work of the ministry. See, you, you always have time for God. It, you, you show your children that every day by the choices that you make, but you show them what your priority is. So what's the most important thing for our kids? Mm, that they make a lot of money? No, I don't think so. That they're really good in sports? That they have fun? That they get a good education? Listen, all those things are good. But you can gain the whole world and lose your soul. We got to keep our priorities right. We got to remember what the most important thing is. And that is, is that they serve the Lord. That brings the blessing of God on their life. See, when we truly seek God first, Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these other things will be added to you. God takes care of all that other stuff, but we got to keep the Lord first. It seems like so many parents get hung up on some of those other things and they make those a priority. No, God has to be the priority in your family. I know that you know, when you teach your children to put God first, I, I know some people will say, well, I don't want to ram it, ram it down their throat. I want to tell you something. If you do it right, your kids will want to serve the Lord. What happens to a lot of kids is they, they see hypocrisy, they see half-hearted, they see religion instead of somebody really serving God with their whole heart. That's what your kids need to see. And I'm just telling you that when you're, you make that the priority in your life, you make that the priority in your kid's life. To do parenting right, you got to take responsibility. The scripture says that Noah was moved with godly fear. He understood what was at stake. He believed what God said to him, and so he was moved with godly fear. Just think about this. How could this one man accomplish this great task? I mean, this ark was as big as a, a football field and a half. How was he going to build this gigantic boat he didn't have any modern machinery. He didn't have any tools. He didn't even have a DeWalt 20-volt driver. You know what I'm saying? He didn't have nothing, none of that stuff. He didn't have big heavy equipment to, to do all this stuff. There weren't like hundreds of people coming out to help old Noah. But he took the responsibility upon himself. And I want to tell you, parents... If you're going to do this right, you have to take the responsibility upon yourself. Amen. You know, some years ago, I think Hillary Clinton or somebody said, it takes a village to raise a child. It's an old African proverb. And a lot of people say they disagree with that. But somehow that mindset has crept into the attitude of a lot of Christian parents. The government is not going to help you. The school is not going to help you. I mean, I, I, I'm saying these things blanket. You know, you go to a Christian school and maybe you'll get a little bit of help there or something. Listen, you have to take the responsibility. Even the church, the church comes alongside to help and to equip, but 
it really falls on the parent. you got to take that responsibility. It is my job to make sure that my kids know the Lord and that my kids are going to serve the Lord. In a little book called Taking Back Your Children, the author asked this question. Parents, if you're not clearly outlining values and morals as the foundation of your children's lives, then you got to ask yourself, who is? See, when we don't own our responsibility, we lose our authority. Everybody in this generation loves to play the blame game. But remember this, Noah lived in the worst generation that ever lived. And yet he got his family saved. And so can you, no matter what's going on in this world, you can raise your children to serve the Lord. Don't expect anybody else to do it, but take responsibility yourself. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7, These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Wow. Read the Bible to them. I would just say, my wife for years would read the Bible to the kids before they went to sleep at night. Read it through, the whole entire Bible it through in a year to them. I just want to tell you, you can do this. You've got to take responsibility for it and own it. Noah didn't listen to the world, and you can't either. Parenting done right is really hands-on. See, our society promotes this hands-off parenting. You know, just let them find their own way. In the midst of an immoral, perverse generation, that's a terrible thing to do to a child. you got to take responsibility to help them by being hands-on in your parenting. They desperately need guidance and wisdom. See, the world says let them pick their own friends. Let them watch what they want to. Let them do what they want. It's their life. Let them date who they want. You know, whatever they want. It's not your business. It's their life. You leave them alone. Wrong, 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 wrong. They need your wisdom and your guidance. They need your help. It's, it's so ridiculous. I mean, let's just talk about this for just a minute. When they're two years old, do you let them make their own choice about when to cross the road? I hope not. That's child endangerment. You could be arrested if your child gets hurt because you just watched them cross the road. It was their choice. No, you wouldn't do that. When they're eight years old, you don't let them decide whether or not they want to go to school. You don't let them make say, I'd want to have ice cream at every meal. Right? No. You see, we all understand that about things like their safety and, and things like having a good diet. And, but when it comes to spiritual things and when it comes to morals and values, the world says, oh, that's not your business. Yes, it is your business. It's even more important than those other things. You need to make sure that your kids are making the right choices until they're ready to make those choices for themselves. So often, young people get started down the wrong path, listen, because of one 
bad decision. It went to the wrong party or they hooked up with the wrong person and it started them down a path of heartache and destruction. They need your guidance. You need to be hands-on in your parenting. I'm just going to throw this in here. When my kids were teenagers, junior high, high school, and they were on the phone, it was not uncommon. Now, I know some of you are going to think I'm crazy. I don't care. I didn't care then what people thought. When they got off the phone, I said, who are you talking to? Well, that's not any of your business. That's, you know, they need to have some privacy. Baloney. I'm their parent. Who are you talking to? They'd tell me. What were y'all talking about? They'd tell me. You know what? If they didn't, they would have lost their privilege, their privilege, not their right, their privilege to use the phone for a week. But they tell me. I knew what was going on with my kids. A lot of parents are so stinking clueless about what's going on with their kids. A kid is heading down the road towards destruction and heartache and a parent ain't got a clue. You need to be hands-on. You need to know what's going on with your kids. Now, if you hadn't been doing that and you got a 17-year-old, that's going to be rough. They're not used to that. And it may take you a little while, but I'm just telling you that you need to be hands-on. Don't believe this baloney of the world where you just let them make their own choice. You know, it's not my place. Yes, someday they're going to have to make their own choice. But for now, you need to teach them and train them and help them make those choices. I think about old Noah working on that boat. 80, 100 years he worked on this huge boat. Took a lot of time. Countless hours. Fortunately, it doesn't take 100 years to raise your children. But it seems like it does take longer than it used to. To do parenting right, listen, it takes a lot of time. To train a child, it will cost you. It will cost you the best hours of the best years of your life. Well, that's not exactly shouting ground, is it? It'll cost you time. It'll cost you energy. It'll cost you money. And it'll bring you boundless joy. It'll, it'll be one of the greatest rewards of your life if you do it right, I'm telling you. You know, nowadays they talk a lot about quality time. You need quality time, time where you're sitting and talking with your children and having meaningful conversation, but listen to me. You also need quantity time. Your kids just need to be with you and see how you handle life. They need to see how you live out your faith. They need to see how you deal with adversity. They need to see how you do everyday life. This is one of the things that's happening in this generation is kids don't have that so often with their parents now. A lot of it has to do with electronic devices and we're just so busy and here and there. But I'm telling you, they need to be with you more. Carmen and I strapped ours in car seats in the church vans when they were little. And we took teenagers home until 11 o'clock at night and they'd be clunked over in the car seat asleep, you know. 
And some people think that's awful and abuse and everything else. But I just got to tell you, though, that those kids were with us all the time. And they, they were with us when we did ministry. They were with us when we went through hard times. They were with us when we had those powerful times of ministry. And I'm just telling you, your kids need to be with you. They need to see you living this out every day. You know, the reason that TV and video games and their friends are molding and shaping most young people is because their parents don't have time. Without a doubt, raising children is the most time-demanding responsibility you'll ever take on. And that's one of the reasons that today so many just decide they're not going to have children. But, you know, there more and more people are having fewer and fewer children. But 1,500 children were surveyed and asked what makes a happy home. None of them said toys. None of them said a big house. None of them said a computer, a TV, or a nice car. The majority said what makes a happy home is doing things together. Interesting. I've known this for a long, long, long time. Children spell love, T-I-M-E. Just saying. Some parents think it's spelled money, and some teenagers think that, but they learned it from somebody. But everybody has an agenda. Everybody has their own schedule. Everybody, it just gets to where it's so difficult to have that time together. And I, here's the thing. Quantity time is what creates magic moments. You spend enough quantity time, you spend enough time together, there are going to be those special moments that are life-changing that you and your child will never forget. But if you don't have much time together, there's not going to be many of those. When I pastored in Oklahoma, there were three parsonages on one block. Um, if you don't know what that is, well, you know, that was when the church owned the house and the pastor lived in the house. And so there were three pastors that lived in this one block. And I was talking to an aunt of mine who was an educator for many, many years, and I was telling her, it's, it's so weird that all of these pastors, we, we all live right there, you know, and all of our kids are straight-A students. You know, kind of making a spiritual plug here, kind of, you know, and she's like, well... It's not because y'all are pastors. It's because all three of your families have dinner around the table every night. And it really got me to thinking, and I, I did some research about that, and it really is true. And I, I understand that in the time we live in, when you got two parents working and everything, it, it, I understand how complicated this is and that that it may not always work out for everybody. But just understand this. Having that kind of time with your kids is vital. It is so important. See, my kids always went to public school. You know, I'm not, I'm not against uh, homeschooling or private school at all. But I'm just telling you, my kids always went to public school. We always lived in a, a reasonably good school district. But the real key was is we sat at the dinner table almost every night and I would ask them, how was your day? What went on today? And when, you know what, where the library had an inappropriate book, I knew about it. When some kid did something that was terrible, I knew about it. I knew what was going on in their life because we had this time together. But I didn't just know about it. It's also how we were able to talk about these things. And I was able to impress values on them. 
and teach them and show them how to handle life and how to make the right decisions. And my point to you is, is that as much as you can, see, I understand not everybody can do that all the time. As much as you can, make room for that. Make that a, a, a priority that you have time together. Such a simple thing to do. And it's, it's, a, it's a little deposit that you make over and over and over again, and it pays off big dividends down the road. Anybody got a verse for that? I do. Psalm 128, 1 through 3 says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. Here it comes. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants around your table. There you go. Just thought somebody might need a verse. It's a very powerful thing, though. Here's one more about your time. Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. You can't impart values fast. You can't mold and shape a life microwave style. There's no instant discipleship. It takes time. It's going to take a lot of time you're going to do it right and if you don't have time for your children it's going to cost you all kinds of time later next building the ark was a lot of work can you imagine not having any machines or tools just literally tons and tons and tons of work and here's the truth to do parenting right it's going to be lots of work most parents are just in survival mode the first couple of years. You know, it's constant battle of feeding, rocking, burping, changing, entertaining. I mean, and the older you get, you know, if you do it right, the older you get, it gets a little less and a little less. But the truth is, if you do it right, it's always going to be a lot of work. There's so much to training a child. And it's not just feed them and clothe them and keep them safe till they're 18. No, to train them is a huge job. And a lot of families today where husband and wife both work, it's even a greater challenge. But, you know, both come home tired. And the last thing I want to do is come home and work some more. But you're going to have to put in that time. And you're going to be glad that you did, that you made the effort. I know some working mothers say going to a job is like getting a break. As hard as it may seem, raising godly children is way easier than fixing broken adults. It takes effort. It won't happen by accident. It'll happen because you planned it and you pursued it. A lot of people just find it a lot easier. You just put them in front of a TV or you give them a, give them a cell phone to play games on. Carmen and I on our vacation, you know, we ate at some nice restaurants, and I happened to notice, I don't think Carmen saw this because she was behind her, but they were behind her, but um, there was a couple having dinner, and they had their, oh, probably five-year-old sitting with them in the booth, and uh, he had headphones on and had a cell phone in front of him the whole entire time. And they never talked to him other than to point at something on his plate. 
They never, they never talked to him, never took the headphones off, never took the phone away from him. And that's how, I just got to tell you, you need to work it. You need to have that time with your kids and talk to them. You need to be involved and you need to make sure that they're getting what you have as a Christian, as a believer. Now, one last time, remember this. You're not doing this alone. You're doing this by faith. You're trusting the Lord. And I'm going to give you one last verse here in just a minute. You see, when you're afraid, when you, when you don't know if you have what it takes, when you wonder if it's worth it, when you feel like your kids are going to drive you crazy, just remember this verse. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. You're going to make it. Keep looking to him. I want to encourage you tonight. You see, you do this with the Lord, even in your weakness. I tell you, God is strong. You just keep pressing on. He'll not leave you. And you are raising your children in partnership with the Lord. You're going to come out in victory. You're going to see them living the, in the blessing of God every day. I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray.